Welcome to Entrusted Ministries with T.K. Anderson, who is the senior pastor of Compass Church in Monterey County, California. A big shout out to a couple of our network stations, WNVY in Pensacola, Florida, both AM and FM, and KERI AM in Bakersfield, California. And as we continue to grow, we have two new stations joining us today. The first is Scranton, Pennsylvania, WITK AM and FM, and Tupelo, Mississippi, WCPC, both AM and FM. If you'd like to help us to continue to share the love of Jesus with more new stations, you can go to our website, entrusted.tv. That's entrusted.tv to make a donation. And for a gift of any amount, we will send you a copy of Pastor Anderson's newest book, Freedom, Living Above Your Circumstance. Well, today we are talking about vision and how you should have a vision for your life and direction for your future. Pastor, can you give us some insight on today's message? Sure. Uh, Over the next couple of weeks, we will be sharing a two-part series from our church family about the importance of looking forward to what God has in store for our lives. You know, it's easy to get stuck in a rut or pulled down by our problems. It's at that point where we need to remember that God has big plans for His people. And the only limits that we have are limits that we impose uh, upon ourselves. You know, God's faithfulness in the past actually projects us into the future. Also, I want to remind our listeners that next year in May of 2024, you are invited to join us for a trip to the Holy Land. It's going to be a fabulous time to experience the land of the Bible. And all the information is available for you at entrusted.tv. Hey, thanks for listening today, and I'll be sure to catch up with you at the end of today's message. So here's a question for you. Have you ever experienced the excitement of starting something new? You know, whether it's buying a shiny new car or maybe it's walking into a freshly painted home. Might be putting on a brand new outfit. Uh, There's something new and invigorating and something fresh about it all especially when you move to a new location. It's like there's a blank slate in front of you. It's a chance to leave the past behind and embrace the potential of a new future. Well, you know, as it turns out, this idea of new beginnings is actually something that is deeply rooted in our faith as well. Jesus once said in Revelation 21.5, he says, Behold, I make all things new. The Apostle Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that when we become a Christian, the old life is gone and a new life has begun. And so all throughout the Bible, we see it's clear that God is a God of new beginnings. This weekend's message is going to be all about how God is a God of new beginning. And when God gives us the opportunity to reset things, he also is allowing us the opportunity to renew and re-engage with him at a different level. You know, 40 years ago, two small and seemingly insignificant organizations were founded. One in Santa Rosa, California, the other in El Cajon, California. The first was a small local church in Santa Rosa, and it began a radio station called KCLB, which started to broadcast on 91.9 FM. The small church dreamed that God would do something big through their humble resources. The second ministry was led by a pastor and his wife. It actually started in their garage. Their aim was to spread the message of the love of Christ through radio, TV, and print media. 
Today, KCLB has grown into the largest Christian radio network in the country, reaching over 20 million listeners each week through KLOVE and Air One Radio Network. Isn't that amazing? The ministry in El Cajon, well, that's led by Dr. David and Donna Jeremiah. It also has grown significantly, reaching now over 4 million listeners and viewers on various and numerous radio and TV stations around the world. And the church that he pastors, it now has become one of the most influential in the entire country. I share these two examples with you because it shows how God can do great things through small beginnings and humble resources. That's what God likes to do. It also illustrates the potential that one person's life can have in making a huge impact in the kingdom of God. And here's the question for you today to consider. What might God do in your life this year, given the chance? You know, for over 150 years, this church, Compass Church, has served as a source of hope in the Salinas Valley and the surrounding Monterey Bay area. And I honestly believe that the best years are yet to come. But achieving this bright future will require two key things from all of us in this room today. And here's the first, write this down. The first thing we must remember is we must put Jesus at the center of all we do as a church. Why do I say that? Because the Bible teaches us that Jesus is the founder and the builder of Compass Church. It's not the pastor. It's not your elders, it's not your other staff members, it's not the key leaders. We all play a role in all of this, just like you do, but Jesus is the founder and he is the builder. Where do I get this from? Let's take a look at 1 Peter 2.6. I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, that's Jesus, chosen for great honor and anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jesus is the one who's the center of it all. A cornerstone, if you're a builder, is the stone in which every other stone is aligned to. It's the foundation. It's the center. So that's the first part. The second part we must remember is we must recognize that God works through people to accomplish his plan in the world. Some people think that God just snaps his finger and then everything just happens. That's not how it works. We've talked about this a few weeks ago, how God chooses to use you and I in his great big plan to work out his mission in this world. And I think if you remember, I said, if I was God, I wouldn't choose us to do it. But that's what God does. He chooses us. All of our frailties, all of our faults, all of our problems, all of our insecurities, all of our frailties, immaturity. He takes all of that as he matures us along in the process and he infuses us with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. First Peter chapter 2, verse 6, we just looked at. But the verse just before that, First Peter 2, verse 5, says this. You... Me and you, followers of Christ, you are the living stones. You are the living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. So Jesus is the cornerstone, the foundation, but it's you and I that are the living stones that work out the plan of God in our culture. One time Jesus was talking to his disciples in John 15, and he says to them real clearly, oh, by the way, guys, you didn't choose me. Well, I thought I chose, no, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. I chose you what? I appointed you. I put you where you were supposed to be. I placed you in the spot. Why? So that you might go and bear some fruit. What kind of fruit? Fruit that withers and fades away? No, fruit that will last. That's the kind of fruit that God wants in our life. And see, he wants that for you. 
So that brings up a big question for us as a congregation. Here it is. What kind of church do we want to be? What kind of church do we want to be known as in the community? That's the question for us today. And I think here's what I would like to see. I would like to be a church that is welcomed, that everybody feels welcomed. I'd like to be a church where everybody is changed. They're experiencing life transformation. And I would love to be a church where everybody knows they're needed, welcomed, changed, and needed. You see, I want to be a place, and I hope you do too, where everyone can feel a sense of belonging and purpose. So let's dive into these three topics real quickly. The first one is a church where everyone is welcomed, a church where everyone is welcomed. You know, my wife is here this morning, and um, I don't know if she wants me to share this or not, but I'm going to go ahead and do it. So uh, probably won't, she probably won't mind. One of her favorite shows uh, in the 1980s was a TV show called Cheers. How many remember that show? <laughs> I don't think she actually liked the show. I think she just liked the song, the opening song, right? The opening song you might remember was entitled, Where Everybody Knows Your Name, and They're Always Glad You Came, right? Some of you are probably singing the jingle in your head right now as you sit there. You remember it? Well, did you know that that little jingle, that little TV show, made a lasting impact in television history? In 2011, the Rolling Stone magazine did a, a, a viewer's poll, and the people voted that television theme the best in all of history. In 2013, TV Guide named it, to the, named it the greatest TV theme song of all time. That one little song. Now, why do you think that is? Why did that song resonate so much with our culture? Well, I believe the enduring popularity of Cheers and the theme song where everybody knows your name, I think it can be attributed to the simple fact that we all face challenges in life. And when we face those challenges, we, we crave comfort and we crave understanding from other people. But not just understanding from just any old person, it's understanding and comfort from people that relate to us, people that are like us, people who say, I get that, I get you, we're on the same page. Psychologists tell us that as social creatures, human beings need the support and connection of other people when we go through difficult times. We do. And if we don't reach out and connect, we don't make those connections spiritually and emotionally, we don't uh, do life together. We get overwhelmed by our problems and we have a tendency then to forget who we are and we walked in a sense of lostness. You know, it's a scary thing to forget who you are or to not know why you're somewhere. I experienced in my early 30s a car accident. It was a pretty bad car accident. Um, I injured my head pretty bad. I was in a Jeep and a F, uh, Ford F-150 slammed into the back of it, pushed it into a concrete wall and bounced off and hit a tree head on and they rushed me to the hospital and put some staples in my head. And, and it was interesting, after they you know, released me from the hospital, I noticed that I was having difficulty speaking, public speaking, because I had a hard time recalling simple stories about my own life and little jokes. I couldn't remember the punchlines. It's horrible for a speaker when you can't remember the punchline. You know, thankfully, over time, a couple of months, it fixed itself, and I got back to my old cantankerous self, and so everybody was happy. But I thought about the uh, spiritual correlation to that point often since that time, 20-some years ago, and I th often think, how many people have forgotten themselves in life? How many? I mean, you know it's true. The Bible tells us we need to be careful in Deuteronomy 8.11, be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, because it all centers around Him. You see, friend, when people come to Compass Church each and every Sunday, for many of them, it's like they've sustained a spiritual concussion out in the world. I mean, something's happened to them, some tragedy, some, something's gone on, They're just lost their job, a relationship that has broken up or about to break up. Things aren't going well, and they're in a haze, and they've forgotten a little bit of who they are. 
They're in a spiritual wreck. Maybe they're wounded. Maybe they're hurting. They've forgotten who they really are and they're unsure of their identity. And this could happen to a believer or a non-believer. And I have to tell you, one of the first things we can do and the best things we can do to inspire people and share God's love with them is to make sure when people come to our church is that we offer them a warm welcome as if they're being welcomed home. Because in many ways, they really are. They're being welcomed home. Now, think about this for a minute. Who is a master at doing this with people? Who is the best at it? If you know your Bible, the answer is Jesus, right? Jesus was a master at making people feel loved. Jesus was a master at making people feel valued. He was a master at making people feel respected and embraced. And it didn't matter what they did. Didn't matter their station in life. Didn't matter what type of baggage they brought into the situation, the circumstance. Didn't matter the reputation. Jesus made sure people understood they were welcomed to talk with him and be embraced by him. From the woman at the well to the tax collector, Matthew, from lepers and beggars, Jesus had a special way of making people feel welcome. And I got to tell you, folks, I would love it if we did the same thing, wouldn't you? That's the kind of church I want us to be. I got a challenge for you. Write this down. Here's my challenge. I want you to see if you can meet one new person every time you attend Compass Church this year. Ooh, that's big, isn't it? See, I snuck that in there on you, right? See if you can do it. In other words, if you're going to attend 40 weekends this year, right, 40 weekends, you're going to go on a vacation, I get all that, right? You're gonna, so meet 40 new people and then keep a little journal, right? If you're going to attend 50 weekends, meet 50 new friends. You see, by striving and planning to build a welcoming and supportive community of believers, I literally believe, I really believe this in my bones, that we can build and create a revolutionary and life-changing environment in this community. We'll be known as the friendliest church in all of town. How about that? Wouldn't that be cool? You're down, you go to Compass. They'll lift you up. Those, I don't know what they're doing over there, but man, they're, they're a lively group of people, and they, love, and they love Jesus, and they smile a lot. I love that. So as we consider this idea of building a life-changing environment, it does bring us to the second kind of church we want to be. We want to be a church where everybody is changed. We're changing, right? We're not staying locked in. Everyone is changed. Jesus once prayed, John 17, to the Father. He says, Father, I don't ask that you take them out of the world. That's his disciples. That's us. But I ask you to keep them from the evil one. So understand that in this world as Christians, we're going to face struggles. We're going to face trials. We're going to face things. You know, many Christians hope that God will improve their circumstance and make their life more easier or more comfortable when they become a follower of Christ. And it may be true, that may happen to some. You know, God may fix a problem, may fix an issue and all of that, but it's entirely true the opposite might happen. You know, because it often could lead to challenges and resistance in the world. When you openly identify as a Christian and you prioritize biblical principles over and above secular principles, you're going to uh, draw attention to yourself. And you're going to get pushback from the world. Likewise, some of you may have experienced this or are experiencing right now. When you speak out against destructive ideologies, it may lead to personal attacks in your life. But despite all of these challenges, it's important to persevere and remain faithful to Christ. Some Christians think, well, I have to do this all on my own just to stiff upper lip. No, God's ready to help you. Look at this verse in 2 Chronicles 16, 9. The Bible says, for the eyes of the Lord run to, run to and fro throughout the whole earth. To give what? Strong support to you. Strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. The Lord's not going to leave you out there abandoned, friend. He's going to come behind you as you want to see your life transformed and changed. 
Let's look back at this verse in 2 Corinthians 5.17. It's a great verse. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become what? A new person. The old is gone and the new life has become. God's working a process in our life. We should be constantly changing. The theological term for this is called sanctification. It's moving from this place to this place. I started out here and I'm moving forward. And when I get to glory one day, it'll all be ready to go. But somewhere between the time I receive Christ and the time the Lord takes me home or returns, there should be a process along this that God's moving me along. What happens to a lot of Christians is they get saved, they receive Christ, and then they start their process. And then they stop here or here, or they go back, or they, you know know what I'm talking about? God says, no, 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 no. Keep moving forward in this process, changing, being conformed into the image of Christ. You see, friend, we want to be a church that encourages life change. We want to be a church that encourages spiritual growth rather than just attracting a group of, of people who continue in their old ways. If we're not careful, all that seeps in. We want to be a church that models a biblical worldview in our lifestyle and the way we live it out rather than being stuck in habits that do not align with our faith. Well, someone says, well, how am I supposed to live a biblical lifestyle? Well, you open your Bible and you read on the topic and you ask God, how am I supposed to live my lifestyle? We could go down, I could put a list on the board there, and we could go marriage and all these different topics that we should be. We can do all of that. But my point is, you go back in and you look at the scripture and you say, that's how I want to live my life. I want to live my life the way the Bible teaches me to live my life. A biblical worldview. We're changing. And it requires sometimes us to change our views. How many of you have ever had your point of view of the world changed after you've read the scripture? Right? That's all of us, right? That's what happens to us. God's changing us. He's making us more like Jesus Christ. We want to be a church that's spiritually mature and able to fully embrace all that God has for us rather than being held back by instability. You realize that there are many blessings that God wants to give you, and because of our spiritual immaturity at the moment, God says, I can't do that quite yet, because if I give that to you, it's going to derail you off another direction. So I'm going to hold that blessing back. Don't you do that with your kids all the time? I want to give them that, but if I give them that, yeah, that's not going to work well, right? So as a parent, you withhold that. God's doing that all the time with us. So we don't want to be a spiritually anemic church, a spiritually immature church. We want to be a spiritually mature church that understands the word of God and ask God to continue to change us along the timeline so we're becoming more like Christ. Where am I getting all this from? Let's look at Romans 8.29. Romans 8.29 says, For those God foreknew, he predestined us to do what? To go to heaven one day? Yes. But what did he, while we're here, predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. We're to be like Jesus. Romans uh, 12, uh, 2 goes a little further. Paul says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. Some of you need to write that down, right? Don't do that. That's not what God wants us to do. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Changing the way you think. This world is teaching our young people and teaching you and I all the time to think a certain way. Isn't that true? And here the Bible's telling us to think the way God thinks. How do you think the way God thinks? You get into his word. That's why he gave it to us. Change the way you think. Why? Because then you're going to learn. When you think the way God thinks, then you will learn to know God's will for you. As a pastor, people ask me all the time, Pastor, what's God's will for my life? What am I supposed to do? Sometimes I go, whatever God tells you to do, right? Have you talked to him? Are you allowing him to change the way you think? So then you will learn. You will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. We all want a good, pleasing, and perfect life, don't we? The way you get there is by understanding God's will for your life. The way you understand God's will for your life is to allow him to start transforming and renewing the thinking in your mind. So we want to be a church 
that is experiencing life change. So we want to be a welcoming church, no doubt about it, where everybody's accepted. But we also want to be a place where everyone's transformed. So here's the question. How can we help more people become like Jesus at Compass Church? Well, one of the ways we can do that is by prioritizing the study and the application of God's word. And we do that each and every Sunday here, right? So I commit to you, that's going to keep happening, okay? You come to church, I'm going to do my level best to deliver God's word to you in a timely, efficient, application-oriented, or hermeneutically sound fashion so you can be fed God's word. We want to do that. Why? Because we believe that personal transformation occurs best when we engage with the Bible and we allow that to shape our life. It doesn't matter what my opinion is, even as the pastor. It matters what God's word says. Does that make sense? Give me a head nod if you got that. Okay, it doesn't matter what someone tells you to do. You go into the scripture and you let the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you into what the Holy Spirit is telling us in the scripture. That's what we're to do. All right, so we want to be a church that people feel welcomed. We want to be a church where people feel changed. The third thing is a church where everyone is needed. Everyone is needed. And let me just cover this real quickly. So if I was to ask you a question, what is a church? What is a church? How would you answer that? Some people would say, well, it's a building, right? It's a nice building. It's where I go to on Sunday. And if it has a steeple with a cross on it, that's a real church, right? I have a steeple. Some would say, well, no, no, no. It's an organization. It's a collection of all the different things around a, a country. That's, that's the church. In reality, what a church is, a church is actually made up of the people of God. The people of God all over the world, and specifically the people of God in a certain community. You know, in the book of Revelation, we get an idea of this because it contains letters written to local churches in the names of certain cities, uh, Ephesus, uh, Philadelphia, right, Laodicea, and other different cities. And these letters provide a guidance to the believers in those locations. The biblical word actually for church is ecclesia, and it actually refers to uh, the community of Christians, and it means assembly or a congregation, or my favorite term, the called out ones. I love that interpretation, the called out ones. So the term church in the New Testament doesn't refer to a building or location, but rather the gathering of believers and the overall body of Christ in a community. So in a biblical sense, what we do here, we are actually a part of the called out ones in the Monterey County area. Santa Cruz County area. We're just a part of all the believers in this area. We just so happen to meet here in this facility on Sunday mornings. We're a part of the called out ones. Now, why am I telling you all this? Because it's important for everyone to remember that everyone is needed for the mission of God to reach the lost people in this community. Everyone's needed to do it. Ephesians 4.12 tells us that we should be equipped, not just the pastors, every follower of Christ. The saints should be equipped to do the work of ministry. 1 Peter 2.9 refers to believers as a royal priesthood. Did you know that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're in the royal priesthood? These passages highlight the importance of all Christians being involved in living out the plan of God in your community. And I'm telling you all of this because there's a bigger point here I'm getting to, and that is this. It's essential that the people of God begin to fulfill the mission of God intended for the local congregation of Christ followers. Because if we're not careful, ministry can be viewed in a way in which we hire the professionals to do the ministry. You get what I'm saying? We'll hire the pastor. We'll hire a music leader. We'll hire a youth pastor. We'll hire an assistant pastor. And they're the ones who do the work of the ministry. And I come to church and enjoy. Right? Can that happen? 
It can happen. Guys, I've been going to church since I was a little kid, all right? So I get it. And it's okay to hire pastors and worship leaders, and we get all that. That's part of the, the plan of the leadership of a church. But please, for a moment, don't think that God doesn't view you as a minister in the church, too. Every member is a minister in the body of Christ, and you're called to serve full time. Not just on Sundays, not just during Bible studies, but all the time. So you remember that pastor I'm, I'm supposed to go visit in Hawaii? You like I snuck that in there? You see that? <laughs> Wayne Cordero. He, I love what he says. He says, before you're a businessman, you're a minister. Before you're a homemaker, you're a minister. Before you're a student or a grandparent or a CEO, you are first a minister. Now think about this for a minute. Raise your hand if you agree with me. You're a full-time citizens of heaven, right? You agree with that? You're a full-time follower of Christ. You agree with that if you're a Christian? And you love God full-time. Isn't that true? Okay, so why are you not also his full-time minister wherever you go? So I snuck that in the back door just like that. It's true, though. When you think about it, why don't we do that? Now, why am I doing this? I'm doing it for a bigger reason. Here's what it is. Here's the bottom line. What's the best way for God to reach people? The best way? The best way, yeah, is to, is to reach people through you and I. Does God do it that way? Does he set up people to live in certain communities so that he can then use things to reach that person in that community? He sure does. How do I know that? Check out Acts 17. This was Paul speaking uh, in Athens, in the Areopagus. He was preaching and he said, God has determined the times set for people. He's referring to lost people, those who don't know Christ. So God's determined the times set for them and the exact places where they should live. What? God determines where lost people should live so then I can reach them? Yeah. God did all of this so that what? So that men and women, people, would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. That means you're here for a reason. That means your neighbor who doesn't know Christ is in that house for a reason. God put him there. He does that with police officers and construction workers, accountants and athletes and business owners and even artists. He does that by sending in full-time ministers into fields of study and empowering them to use their natural talents, gifts, and passions to share his love. So here's my challenge for you. How does God want to use you this year? I appreciate you taking the time to listen to today's message, and I am confident that you have found inspiration in God's Word and that your faith has been reinforced today. Remember that no matter what challenges you may be facing, God is powerful enough to meet you right where you are, and all the resources in heaven are available to support you. Let me pray for us. Dear Father, we lift up all of our listeners to you today with full confidence in your goodness and your greatness. We trust that you will provide them with the protection and provision that they need in their lives. We also ask that your peace would guard their hearts and minds until the day of Jesus' return or until we're called home. With our whole hearts, we serve you and ask for your blessings. In Jesus' name, we confidently pray. Amen. Well, thanks, Pastor Anderson, for that message and the prayer. Entrusted Ministries is provided to you by partners just like you from across America. If you'd like to help us continue to share the love of Jesus with this ministry, I want to encourage you to make a donation at the website entrusted.tv. That's entrusted.tv to make a gift. And remember, for a donation of any amount, we will send you a copy of Pastor Anderson's newest book, 
freedom living above your circumstance. Also, if you'd like to go to the Holy Land with Pastor Anderson in May of 2024, you're invited to join us as we help make the Bible come to life. It will be a special trip for you. It will be incredible to see for yourself the land of the Bible. All the information is available for you at entrusted.tv. Thank you for listening and see you next week at this same time on this same station.